of the Spirit of God in my life and I believe that that should be the normal for every Christian believer. I believe that we have somehow put the lid on and tried to contain uh, and restrict that which God wants us to be involved with. I believe that somehow, uh, you know, we have put some type of religious structure around the things of God. Uh, we've put parameters around Him. We've put limitations around Him. And nothing uh, thrills me more than seeing those restrictions and limitations removed so that the freedom and the liberty of God in all His power and fullness and glory can come really through into our hearts. And I believe that this can be one of those great nights. Turn to your neighbor and say, you might have to adjust some of your thinking tonight. <laughs> Glory to God. Uh, it's amazing how culture can affect us. It's amazing how religious background can affect us. It's amazing how our experience in the past can affect us. And sometimes the Lord needs to shake us up and, and break us and loosen us from the grip of things that are actually irrelevant and, and actually keep us from knowing the fullness and the fire of the Holy Spirit. So thank God for Jesus because he was the most radical person you would have ever met. Did you know that? He would have been thrown out of most of our churches. Do you realize that? Oh, yes. Because the apostles turned up today, we'd have said, oh, we're not having that in here. Uh, that's just not right, you know. That's just so unreligious. I think Jesus was the most unreligious man you would ever met in your life. He was free. He was full of life. He was full of victory. He had the greatest personality. He loved laughter. He loved joy. He loved to rejoice. He was a man of passion, full of the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. So turn to your neighbor and say, anything could happen in the next hour. Glory to God. Amen. That's, I believe that with all my heart. You know, whatever you uh, do in life, whatever you dedicate your life to reveals where your heart is. Whatever uh, you allow uh, to demand uh, your time, your effort, your finance, everything about you, whatever you commit to tells us where your heart is. Uh, we all dedicate our lives to something. I believe the greatest need in the church today is for us to rededicate our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ at a level that we have never done before. I believe the greatest need in the church today is for us to dedicate our lives to the purpose and the things of God above everything else. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus should be my priority. Hallelujah. And so, friends, that is how we should be. Not because we want to use church or because we want to have selfish gain, but because we want to live surrendered lives to the purpose of God. Isn't it wonderful that we live in this time of grace? I, I'm always saying, you will have heard it, uh, me say it before, I am so glad that we're alive, that I'm alive in this generation, not in Old Testament days. I'm so glad to be alive in what we call the time of grace. The time of grace began when Jesus died upon the cross for you, shed his blood for you, uh, and uh, uh, ascended to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit into the world. That was the time that grace began. But time will 
be concluded one day. The time of grace will come to an end. We are living in this time. You only get one opportunity to live and one opportunity in life to get right with the Lord. Our time is limited. One day, time will be no more. And maybe before then, some of us in this room will pass into the presence of Almighty God. I remember my mother telling me the story about the last moments of my father's life, a man I loved greatly and had a great effect upon me. As you can imagine, not only in training, but also spiritually in my walk with God. And my mother was holding my father's hand in hospital. And uh, you, you remember the story. I, I never got the message. I was off in ministry. And then when I arrived home, there'd been a phone call or after phone call throughout the day explaining that my father was about to pass away. And if I could come quick, which would have been about a four-hour drive. Uh, but we missed that and then the phone call came uh, on the answer phone to say that he had, had gone. And my wife Miriam actually went into the home first as I was unloading the vehicle and uh, came to the door and explained to me and, uh, what had happened. But on that occasion my mother said she was holding my father's hand who was very weak and frail. And uh, he was fighting to be able to continue life. Uh, and uh, my mother, being an incredible woman of faith, said to my father, smoothed his hand, she said, his name was Norman. She said, what's the matter with you, Norman? Don't you want to go to be with Jesus? <laughs> I thought, isn't that amazing? To be able to come to those moments of life. And I've been with many, many, many people who have drawn their last bath, breath and passed into the presence of God. What an honour and a privilege it really is. And to be able to say, what's the matter with you? Don't you want to go to be with Jesus? What incredible faith. And release that was from my father. I want to tell you, within seconds he went. So time one day for us will be no more. Whether it's through the passing of death or when we see the Lord come again. Friends, we must make the time we have count for the kingdom of God. And I find in this time of grace there is a danger. There is a danger in the church because we become too loose. Because Paul the Apostle said, whatever you do, do not misuse or take for granted or give yourself license in a time of grace, I'm paraphrasing, in a time of grace to be loose and live and do what you want because grace abounds. And I believe the challenge of grace in these days that we live should propel us and bring us to a level of holiness and purity and righteousness in our lives that is the highest level it could ever be. Grace demands so much. It doesn't free us to the point where we are able to do just what we like, when we like, and how we like. Grace does put its demands upon my life as a man and upon you. I must respond to the grace and the mercy of God. What is the first response to the grace and mercy of God I must bring? I must come myself as I am.
I remember the moment that I really was born again. I'd made decisions of, of faith as a little boy and, and, and wanted God's blessing. And pretty much, but there was a moment as a young man when I was in my teens when I want to tell you it was the most radical experience of God and I have never forgotten the moment. And in that moment I tell you I was so radically changed. That from that time I've never known a day when I've not been aware of the manifest presence of God in my life. And I mean that. And I long for those days when we would know the manifest power and glory of God. It begins with a grace moment. A miracle grace moment. When we realize actually we may well have said some surface prayer years ago. We may well have even had somebody take us through what we call a sinner's prayer. We may well have had somebody help us even at the front of a church. Friends, I believe with all my heart that it is possible to say the words and actually not be born again. I believe it's possible to say empty words from my mouth that actually don't bring any touch of God upon my life or real eternal transformation. And that's what I believe needs to happen. Oh yes, I will dedicate my life to something. I want to tell you from that moment I dedicated my life to God. I have never regretted making the decision. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's great to be saved. I want to tell you that my friend Paul, can you all look at Paul and say, Paul, we really appreciate you. Come on. He's a great man. He's a great man. Wonderful. He's looking at his notes thinking, is he preaching the same message as I've got up here? <laughs> Glory. Dedication. It takes absolutely everything. I find people just want something to make them feel better for the week. I find people just want to improve their life or improve their world. And friends, we need more of a radical change than that. The Bible tells that we have so fallen short of the glory and the standard of God that of our own ability, it is impossible for us to be saved. And yet God calls us to make the highest dedication possible and give our lives to God. I want to actually take some time with you to take you to an Old Testament story that I trust will really encourage you to make your decision of faith tonight. But also I pray that it will encourage every one of us as Christians to bring a new dedication moment in our life that will change our future forever. So, in the Old Testament days, you know, they knew the seriousness of what it meant to dedicate their lives to God because how you operated in Old Testament times before the grace of God came in Jesus sometimes was so serious it was a matter of life and death. We fail to realize it is the same in the time of grace. 
But here is an amazing example. So the first thing I want to do is I want to contrast the lives, the life of Samuel with the sons of Eli. The first major thing I want to talk about here is this dedication does mean holiness and separation unto the Lord. Can you recall the birth of Samuel? Remember the story, Hannah went to the temple and was in the temple in the presence of God praying. And I'm telling you the story. You can open your Bible, but I know the story so I can tell you without looking. <laughs> and so Hannah is there in the temple and Eli is sitting at the entrance and he's watching her and she is mouthing under her breath and she is moved with such passion and there is such a cry of grief from the depth of her inner being and there is such a stirring and a movement upon this woman as she's in the presence of God that Eli thinks she's drunk. That can still happen today, where we can be so stirred and moved by the stirring of God's passion in our hearts. And this was the cry of her heart. And of course, Eli challenges Hannah. And eventually, she comes out with a word. She said, I have asked the Lord for a son and promised to dedicate him to God. And Eli says those great words, go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked him for. Hallelujah. I wonder what you're asking him for. There will be many things in your heart and life that you're asking him for. Turn to your neighbor and say, God can do all things. Of course, Hannah conceived and gave birth to uh, a son, Samuel, and the child, when the child was weaned, it says she took him to the temple and dedicated him to the Lord. This is what she said, for his whole life he will be given over to the Lord and he worshipped the Lord there. What a great thing to have said about you. Whole life dedicated to the Lord. And then we have the contrast of Eli's sons. They were wicked, it is said, and they treated the Lord's offering, the worship and the ministry of the Lord in the house of the Lord with contempt. So here we have a young man, Samuel, who is surrounded by wickedness. That's the picture that we see. The young man, Samuel, surrounded by wickedness. And as we look out over this generation, I don't know about you, friend, but it breaks my heart the direction that we are going in as a nation and as a people. We are murdering more babies now than we ever have before. And the darkness over the land is, is deep darkness. Our laws are immoral. There is corruption. And we see the results of that. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. I can't believe how many earthquakes we're having. Can you? Can't believe how many wars we're having. Can you? Maybe we should read Matthew 24. We'd find out why. Because I believe the Lord is coming soon. And in the same way, Samuel was surrounded by wickedness 
And while he was surrounded by wickedness, Samuel experienced three things that you and I can still experience today. Here they are. They're coming up on the screen. Firstly, he ministered before the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, we must minister to the Lord. Hallelujah. See, I have a great struggle sometimes with an awful lot of the modern songs. You say, oh, pastor, you must be getting old. They bore me to death. And one of the reasons, I love some of them and some of them I think, well, let's scrap that one. Because we sing so much about what I am going to do and my purpose and all those things. I just want to lift up my hands in the house of the Lord and say, Lord, I worship you. I just want to lift up my voice in the house of the Lord and say, I give you all glory. I love that majesty song. I know you put that in for me. Glory to God. Ha <laughs> ha. So that when every word, that every word comes out of our mouth, so that every word that proceeds from our spirit as worship and praise is glorifying Jesus. And I know there's place for the other. I know I'm going a bit extreme. You know, I'm just like that. I just love anything that exalts the Lord. He ministered to the Lord. Secondly, he grew up in the presence of God. Have you yet learned how to cultivate the presence of God? To draw upon him, his life. Isn't it wonderful, Christian? The Bible says, rivers of living water shall flow from deep within you. And then it says as he continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with man. This is what was going on in Samuel's life. And in sharp contrast to that, Eli's house was wicked. They did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. And friends, when we do not do what is right in the sight of the Lord, there are consequences. And Christian, I'm not just talking to those who perhaps in this room have never yet come to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. I'm actually talking to the church. I'm talking to Christians. When we do not do not do what is right in the sight of the Lord, there are consequences. There have been a few occasions when I've had to sit with a couple who have fallen and the consequences are there for the rest of their lives. And so, into this environment, Samuel grew. And of course, in their wickedness and with what happened, this is what happened, I'll tell you. It says, the Philistines came against Israel and they captured the ark of the Lord. They took the ark of God. Eli's sons were killed in battle. His daughter in law had a child who died. Eli himself died from shock because the ark had been taken from the house of the Lord. And of course, because the Philistines took the ark back into their own city, do you know what happened? The Lord broke out against the Philistines. And you can read it in the Old Testament. Sometimes we think we are so spiritually okay. In Israel, sometimes the Lord broke out against Israel because of disobedience and wickedness. And I think maybe it's an age thing, Pastor Dave. I don't know. You'll know because you're an awful lot older than me. <laughs> He's a blessed man. He kept his hair. 
<laughs> well, I think he did. <laughs> Maybe it's an age thing, but you come to that point of realization where actually we're not as good as we think we were. We've not done as well as we think we have. Where the evaluation of your heart and the honesty and the transparency before God say, Lord, you know, even today we can come before the Lord if we're real and honest and we can lose our self-righteousness. We can lose the pretense and we can, we can lose our bombastic spirit and we can lose the pride of our heart and we can say, Lord, actually, I haven't really done very well. I've not been what I should have been and I haven't done what I should have done. And the things I should have done, I haven't done. You know where that comes from? It'll be in the Church of Ireland, actually. Or the Church of England. That's a great prayer, isn't it? That's a great confession. Even a Pentecostal can pray that. Turn to your neighbor and say, even a Pentecostal can pray that. If it's real, we can pray it. If it's empty words from a page, it brings no change. But I want to tell you, the little old lady on the back seat of a, of a hard pew, I've discovered this. The gentle, sweet lady on a hard pew in a different type of setting to this, if she's pouring her heart out to God, and meaning every word off that page, I tell you, she'll be near to Jesus. Don't we become so arrogant and think we've got it sorted? And Samuel was an amazing man of God. And Eli's family caused devastation to come. And so when the ark went into Philistia, when it went into the land of the Philistines, when it went in there, it said death came to the city. Death came to the city. And sometimes we need to be very careful about how we operate in a time of grace. And do you know what Israel of Israel? Israel said they recognized that the glory and the presence of the Lord had gone. What a horrendous position to be in. My God, if I personally, forgive the personal testimony, if I woke up one morning and found that I wasn't conscious of God or wasn't able to draw near to Him, I would say, Lord, what have I done? Is there some sin in my life? Have I done wrong? And, and friend, these are a genuine cries of the heart of man that would say, Lord, I need you. Such was the devastation that the Philistines had to devise a plan to get the ark back to Israel. I find that wonderful. <laughs> get this ark out of here. That's what they were really saying. We cannot have the presence of God here because death has come to the city. 
Why? Because it represented the holiness and the righteousness, the laws of God, the commands of God, and the manifest presence of God among the people of God who were right with him. These people were not right with him. When the presence of God came, they had to get it out. Because death came. You know, inside the ark were the tablets of stone that Moses received from God. On the tablets of stone were the commandments. And then the ark is described as having an atonement lid top with cherubims over. And God said to Moses, between the atonement and the cherubims, I will speak to you. I will give Israel my commands. No wonder. It was a serious thing. Handling the presence of God in the ark. It would be many years before the ark was restored to its rightful place. Make a note of that statement. I'll be coming back to it. It would be many years before the ark would be restored to its rightful place. The second thing I want to talk about is this dedication to the Lord involves serious preparation and change. Turn to your neighbor and say, there might need to be a few changes in our lives. <sighs> See, Israel realized the seriousness. We're loose. We're up, down, in, out, shake it all about. We are up and down because of our feelings. We're feeling spiritually all right one week, one month, and then boo. Somebody got it. <laughs> Somebody's listening to me preach, Lord. <laughs> you know, they realized the seriousness of bringing the ark back so much so that they actually realized they couldn't take the ark back immediately. So they took it to Abinadab's house. And they asked, they dedicated... Eliza, the son of Abinadab, to guard the ark. And it would be 20 years before the ark was moved again. And then after that initial move, a further three months before the ark was placed in its rightful place. What a story. Do you know the incredible thing about it? During those 20 years, the Bible tells us that actually the people of God mourned and sought the Lord. 
In other words, while the presence of God was unable to be brought right in to the rightful place where it should be, the people themselves were mourning and seeking God. But they knew it couldn't come yet. And then the day came when the calling for the ark to be returned must have intensified in the hearts of the people. And Samuel stood up and said these amazing words that are going to come up on the screen right now. By the way, don't look all religious at me and think we haven't even opened the Bible yet. I'll open the Bible, don't worry. This is what it says. If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, isn't that amazing? If you are, if you are, what a question to ask the whole nation of Israel, the people of God en masse. If you are returning, this was a national question. This was something that every person who was alive in the nation at that time had to answer. You couldn't stand out in a different place. You couldn't isolate yourself. You couldn't hide and say, exclude me. No, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then rid yourselves of foreign gods and asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. See, too many of us Christians are fighting unnecessary battles when what we really need is the ark in the rightful place. What we really need is the commands of God in the rightful place. It'll only happen because of the atonement and the hearing of the voice of God as we hear from heaven. Would they do that? Well, friends, it was during King David's time that the ark was moved from the house of Abinadab. And I want to ask you to open your Bible. <laughs> Glory to God. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 to 23. You can handle a big reading, can't you? Glory to God. It's worth a read. The lighting is low. So here we go. David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. Are you with me in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1? He and all his men set out from Bala of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ohio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ohio was walking in front of it. 
David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with songs and harps, lyres, tambourines, systems, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Wow. Just the hand of man to steady it. This is what happened. And I think maybe David experienced some new reactions to God here in this chapter. But he didn't let his anger or reactions to God stop him from following through to ensure that the ark of God arrived at its rightful place. I want to pause there, friend, and say to you, there could be many reasons why you would say, I can't follow through because of this and this feeling, this thought, because why did God do this? Why did God allow that? Listen, friend, you have to persist through because it's only as you persist through that God will answer the questions that are in your heart. But he will. Turn to your neighbor and say, God will answer every question. But I've discovered something. If I wait for every question to be answered, I will not be able to hear from God in the right way. It takes a step of faith. Stepping through my pain. Stepping through my anger. Stepping through my anguish. Stepping through every hindrance. Your family breakdown, your financial heartache, your loss of your career, the loss of your business, the loss of your home, the shaking of everything that can be shaken, your confusion, your doubt, your fear, stepping through it all until we know the ark of God has arrived at the rightful place. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the rightful place. In a time of grace, in this time of grace, you are a carrier of the ark of God. His righteousness, his holiness, his purity. Because of the atonement, and God speaks to those who walk in his ways. If you're not hearing the voice of God and the prompt to the Spirit, ask yourself the question, why? That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, this, uh, that, that, that God's going to speak to you about what colour to paint the outside of your house. He's not going to talk about surface things. Come on. God expects us to make some common sense decisions. You don't need to pray about everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't need to pray about everything. But I'll tell you something. We need to hear from God about the serious things of life. And the things we face in life. 
Some Christians are carrying broken hearts from years ago. If anybody had a right to have a broken heart, I want to tell you, I'm that man. I'm not going to go into detail. I don't want to glorify the devil. It's a miracle I'm here. And our temptation at times is to steady the cart. Put your own hand on it. Sort it out yourself. Keep church at a certain level so it's acceptable. Don't go too over the top. You never build a big church if you're over the top. Keep it British or Irish. David wasn't that sort of man. We're in the middle of a reading, aren't we? David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? Can you see that? He didn't say, How can the ark of the Lord come to the city? He said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? That was a shadow. That was a prophetic statement. An incredible word from God. How can it come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. I'm not surprised, are you? <laughs> Glory to God. Now King David was told the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Listen to this. David wearing a linen ephod danced before the Lord with all his might while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with the shouts and the sounds of trumpets bring up these points Paul as I go through firstly David's heart was the key in returning the ark of God how can the ark of the Lord come to me David's heart was right he inquired of the Lord how to do this Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to inquire of the Lord of how to bring the ark back. How to bring the ark back. And friend, when he did move the ark, David did exactly as he should. You see, he sacrificed, he was dressed in a linen garment. If you go and read about Aaron, you will find that David dressed in the exact garments of the priest. 
in order to bring the ark of God in. That's because only Jesus, the great high priest, can bring in the presence of God. He danced before the Lord with all his might, with shouts and sounds of trumpets. When the ark was in its place, when the presence of the Lord was among the people, David sacrificed again and blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Let's read it. Friends, don't get bored. Hang on every word. Don't turn off. I'm nearly finished. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. That can happen, can't it? When we sometimes see people who are genuinely released in the power of God, who are experiencing a mighty outpouring of revival fire and the anointing upon them. Sometimes we look at them and say, look at the state, of, state they're in. Fancy letting that happen to you. That is so not of God when sometimes it really is of God. I don't mind how many people lie on the floor under the anointing of God and get absolutely drunk in Jesus. Just like Eli thought Hannah was. As long as they get up different. <laughs> I'm not interested in the fall, but I'm interested in the getting up. Hallelujah. And I believe God can touch us today. With such an awesome manifestation of his glory, we truly will be carriers of the ark. And they brought in the ark and the Lord's uh, ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. And that's a great point. Did you know that? Why they offered fellowship offerings? It wasn't only in fellowship to the Lord. It was a fellowship offering. Turn to your neighbour and say, I can't do without you and you can't do without me. Ha <laughs> ha! After he'd finished sacrificing the burnt offerings, the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women. All the people went to their homes. They carried with them from the man of God the gift into the home. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of slave girls, of his servants, and as, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, I love his response, It was before the Lord. That's the key, isn't it? Whatever we do in praise and worship, let it be before the Lord, for no other reason, 
before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone else from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. Hallelujah. I will become even more undignified than this. Hey, when did you last become undignified in the presence of God? Because of hunger, thirst, and a crying out for God. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And here's the result of what came out of the woman's mouth. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. See, Hannah came before God and received a child. Michael ridiculed a true servant of God and received no child. The consequences in dealing with the Lord and his work in our lives and heart is absolutely serious. And then thirdly, and this is a short aspect, dedication for us in this time of grace still involves holiness and separation. It still involves serious preparation and change. It still involves the heart and sacrifice of our lives. Let me remind you again, friends, we become too loose in a time of wonderful grace, irreverent in the presence of God. The consequences for us, if we had lived in Old Testament days, would have been the same. Thank God for the atonement of Jesus, because by the atonement you are in the presence of God today. You're not here because of you being religiously sorted out. You are here by one means only. Jesus atoned for you. Hallelujah. By his blood. I want to tell you, you are already sitting under the atonement covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just by being here in the presence of God where the ark is. He's atoned for you. What does that mean? It means that 2,000 years ago, friend, because God so loved you, he paid your debt he paid the price in full. Fully paid. Hallelujah. He also died in your place instead of you so that you could be fully accepted by him. And here we are in the presence of God. Friends, let me bring several points up here. No other animal sacrifice is necessary. Thank God for Jesus. But if we are serious about returning to the Lord, then we must do it with all our hearts. We must worship Him and Him alone. If we are serious about returning to the Lord, we must rid ourselves of false gods and idols. And friends, some of us think we don't have those. An idol is anything that is more important to us or more or first in our life 
before God. That is an idol. We were watching the latter part of that match. Chelsea versus... And I could not believe the passion. Unbelievable. It was like worship. Holding up the cup and everybody went, whoa! And there's people running about loving each other and cuddling and hugging. There's more hugging going on the pat on the pitch than there is in the church. And here we are worried about it. <laughs> By goodness me. More freedom on the what do you call them? Terraces. Thank you. There's a football somebody. More freedom on the terraces. Have we got it wrong? David never got it wrong. He danced before the Lord with all his might. And he said to those who criticized him, and I'll become even more undignified than this. Because God called me. If we're serious about returning to the Lord, we must turn away from life without him, repent of our sin and dedicate our lives. If we're serious about returning to the Lord, we must sacrifice our own lives unto him. I just want to point out several factors as I close tonight. I want to tell you, the ark of the Lord brought the favor of God. For the Philistines, who were not right with him, it brought death. But for the people of God, it brought the favor. What do we mean by the favor of God? Firstly, he will be with you always by his spirit. That's the favor of God. Even as your soul prospers. That's real success. And he will never leave you or forsake you. He will protect and keep you. Every enemy you face has been defeated by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He will provide all things you need in life. Not everything you want, but everything you need. He will provide health and healing. He will provide eternal life and we will be with him forever. Friends, do you know something remarkable took place that day with David? You may have just skimmed over it and read it before, but it was a wonderful moment and I'll tell you what it was. When everything had been dealt with and the ark was in place, David stood before the people and he blessed them saying the exact same prayer that Aaron had said over the people when he was dressed as the priest. And I'll tell you what the prayer was. It's wonderful. I wish I'd actually got it printed out, Paul, but most people will be able to say it with me. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. 
The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Friend, there will be a peace missing until the ark of God's presence is in the rightful place. You are the rightful place. But be careful how you carry the presence of God. Be careful how you treat the house of God the people of God and when you come before him come without restriction with freedom and shouts of joy and deep celebration because his righteousness his holiness and his commands are in you and now written on your heart. Written on your heart. No wonder you want to please God. And be right with him. Because his commands are written on your very heart. And he speaks to you through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus. How amazing it is to be a carrier of the ark of God's glory. It's shadowed in the ark of Noah. But it speaks of you carrying the ark of God's glory in your life. Shall we Bow our heads a moment. Friends, I've got to say that tonight has gone in a direction that I never expected really. But I believe God has spoken to us. But I simply still want to ask the question, if you have never said, Lord, I need your mercy... I need your grace. I want to accept your mercy in this time of grace. And to be right with you because of the cross and resurrection. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart he is risen from the dead. You shall be saved. Is there anyone tonight who has never made a decision to receive the mercy and grace of God? And be included in his love and his atoning mercy. If that's you, would you like to let me know that that's your decision, that you'd like to receive the Lord? Would you like to just pop your hand in the air quickly and pop it down so that I can pray for you? We can give you some materials to guide you in your new decision. If you would like to make that decision tonight, just let me see your hand quickly and then pop it down. I won't prolong this and make you feel awkward and uncomfortable. If you are going to make the decision, you know 
So go ahead and let me see your hand. Pop it down straight away. Okay, let's all stand together. I'm going to ask the band to quickly come as quickly as they can and to bring us into a wonderful time of worship. And I believe that the Lord is saying tonight, let's let the ark come. The ark of God's glory, his power, his presence, and the expression of his kingdom in this place. I'm not in a hurry to go home. Feel free if you need to leave. But if you don't need to leave, then let's engage with Jesus and just allow his presence and glory to come. And I believe that we will be actually together receiving that blessing as it rains down upon us. That same word that was declared by David over the people and Aaron over the people. Let's sing. Lead us into the throne room of God. Hallelujah. Separa basura.